The Fascination of Chemistry, Vaka's Audio Magazine. We welcome you to the fifth episode of our podcast. Once a month, we explore the exciting world of chemistry. Today, we'll be looking at something that is constantly visible but barely ever noticed plaster. In other words, the material that covers virtually every wall. In its origins, the word plaster is related to plastic. Both can be traced back to the Greek word meaning to form, shape, or mold. So even though we associate very distinct substances with the two terms, the common factor is the underlying process of shaping. In the case of plaster, the results are generally so smooth and regular as to become almost unnoticeable. Ironically, almost the antithesis of something that has shape. The plaster on the walls inside our buildings has one overriding task to regulate moisture in the room. If our interior walls are too damp, mold can form. If they are too dry, our respiratory passages will likewise become dry, making us more susceptible to catching a cold. Good quality plaster work draws excess moisture out of the air and releases it again as the air becomes drier. So it has the capacity to compensate for peaks in humidity. For instance, after you have been cooking or taken a shower. But what about exterior plaster? The purpose of exterior plaster is to protect walls, above all against water. As every bricklayer knows, water is the bricklayer's number one enemy. Nor should microorganisms such as algae or fungi be able to take root on plaster. Not only will they look unsightly, they will damage the wall in the long run. Other important aspects are that the plaster should bond well with the substrate and be weather resistant and fire resistant. That's quite a list of requirements. It also explains why it took so long to develop an improved plaster formulation. We looked at how the construction chemical experts at Wacker's Burghausen site went about developing a new exterior plaster. The most challenging construction site in the world and an Art Nouveau villa both played an important role. Tell us more. First of all, the villa. Development work on new exterior coatings was already underway when the decision was made to thoroughly renovate the 100 year old Villa Cell in Berghausen. Villa Cell is the former abode of a wealthy pharmacist. It was standing empty in the year 2000 when it was badly damaged in a fire. The renovation project prompted Vaca to launch a separate research project. The villa's rooms now serve as a training and conference center. But its exterior is still used for research purposes. The plaster used on it is regularly examined to establish whether it is still doing its job, both visually and functionally. It was applied in early 2004 and is still immaculate. But why did a new plaster need developing? Hasn't the technique been around for 11,000 years? Yes, of course. But plaster now has to meet certain new requirements, too. For example, Exterior insulation and finish systems are becoming increasingly common. They insulate apartments, houses, and offices so that less heating energy is needed in the winter, and the building's interiors don't become as hot in the summer. The energy savings help to alleviate climate change. The most important component in an exterior insulation and finish system is the insulating layer of styrofoam or rock wool. This insulating layer is affixed to the exterior walls but doesn't look particularly attractive. Such materials are also much too sensitive to be left exposed, so they are covered over, and that's where our plaster comes in.
But because this type of surface is quite a different matter to a solid brick or concrete wall, it presented the developers with a challenge. Between them, chemists, engineers, and bricklayers had to develop plaster grades that are light but with good adhesion, withstand pressure to the comparatively soft substrate, are resistant to rain and strong sunlight, and fire resistant. Ah, so that is where the toughest construction site in the world comes in? Exactly. That's how Peter Aspek refers to the climate chambers at Vacker's laboratory. Aspek is a trained decorator who supervised the tests on various plaster formulations that his colleagues had developed. His fiefdom comprises five small climatic exposure test cabinets and two large walk in chambers. The conditions inside them are incredibly tough an eight hour cycle of heat, rain, and frost. The test surfaces, measuring about eight square meters, really have to prove their worth. The plaster formulations that survived the test were then submitted for field testing at the outdoor weathering park in Berghausen. This simply comprises a number of walls facing various directions. They help to reveal how the plaster coating performs outdoors in actual weather conditions. The developers regularly examined the condition of the test plaster. Cracks, soiling, algae, and fungal growth, the stability of the paints incorporated into the plaster, and any yellowing of the plaster are assessed. Once the new plaster formulation had passed all lab tests, the harsh conditions of the climate chamber, and several years of outdoor testing, the decorators were finally able to apply the new dispersion plaster to Villa Cell's exterior in early 2004. It still looks as resplendent as when it was new. This question of retaining its visual appeal reminds me of another related topic. Please tell. Frescoes. The art of painting directly onto plaster. That's what our question of the month is about. Our question of the month. How do frescoes survive for hundreds or even thousands of years? A fresco is painted onto wet plaster. So not every mural or wall painting is a fresco. The oldest known frescoes were painted in Crete. They are 3,500 years old. And still well preserved, as are Pompeii's frescoes, which have survived for almost 2,000 years. What makes frescoes so durable is that the colored pigments become incorporated into the wall on which they are painted. The key thing is that the fresco artist doesn't use ordinary paints. In ordinary paints, the pigments adhere to the substrate thanks to a binder. That binder is oil in the case of oil paints, or synthetic resin in the case of acrylic paints. But if adhesion between the wall and the binder declines, the paint will flake off. That will always happen sooner or later. By contrast, a fresco does not contain binders. The fresco artist merely dissolves the pigments in lime water and then paints them directly onto the fresh plaster. That also explains the name given to this technique. The Italian al fresco means in the fresh air, or in this specific case, onto the fresh medium. It is quite an involved process for the painter. Before starting work, they have to decide how much wall they expect to paint that day. They then have to apply fresh plaster to that area. They can start painting about an hour after applying the plaster, but have to be finished after no more than nine hours. 
As the plaster hardens, the lime particles in the lime water and lime plaster combine to create a uniform plaster surface in which the pigments are embedded. But that also means once the plaster is hard, the fresco can no longer be modified. If the artist wants to make changes, they either have to chip off the outer layer of plaster and apply a new one that is repainted, or they simply cheat by painting over the fresco with a different paint-containing binder. A well-executed fresco should be quite durable, provided the pigments themselves do not fade or the plaster does not come away from the wall in chunks, they should survive for posterity to admire. That explains why we can still admire the athletes on the frescoes in the Palace of Knossos on Crete or the biblical scenes in the Sistine Chapel. That's all for this month of The Fascination of Chemistry. You'll find more information on the internet at www.vaca.com slash podcast. Tune in next month. Goodbye. Vaca. Creating tomorrow's solutions.